Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. The Athletic. This is Straight Out of Cobham, a show about Chelsea FC from The Athletic. On this episode, Chelsea earn a point the harder way in the Champions League, the briefest of international roundups, midterm reports, and more. Available for free wherever you get your podcasts and ad free on The Athletic. This is Straight Out of Cobham. Listener, it is international break time for the men's side, but SOC stops for nobody. As ever, there's plenty to discuss in the world of London's first and finest. Joining me, Matt Davis-Adams, to talk through it all are Super Sam Parkin. Hello, Matt. Hello, Sam. Uh, Also with us, the Athletics man in the know on Chelsea and all slash some other stuff, Dominic Fifield. Hi, Dom. (laughs) Morning. How are you? (laughs) (laughs) I'm good. Um, So last time we heard from you, Dom, you were competing with the PA system in Turin. Um, Tell us a little bit about how the, the experience of travelling abroad to cover Chelsea in these particular times was. I'm imagining there was a fair bit of paperwork. Yeah, a lot of tests, uh, a lot of forms to fill in. But I, I don't suppose that's any different for anybody who's travelling abroad at the moment from the UK. They weren't they weren't more because I was attending a, a Champions League game on the continent. The I mean, the actual match day experience was pretty much normal until until the post match scenes and 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 that that really was something else i mean i, I don't know our, our listeners will be aware but in normal circumstances at the end of a game there's a press conference in a media theater the manager um maybe a player if you're lucky sits on the top table and is questions are fired at him um from the floor um, during COVID times, that was, and at Chelsea in particular, that's been replaced by a, a Zoom conference, which, which they're, they're not ideal. The ones at Stamford Bridge, you sit in your seats and um, log on to Zoom, and you compete with the the lawn mowers that are going over the surface out on the pitch at the time. Um, it's all a bit farcical, and you can you can barely hear what's going on. But but Juventus took that to new levels, in as much as at the end of the game. We stayed in our seats high up in the press box, right at the top of the stand. Um, and uh, they fixed one television camera upon us and we were beamed onto the jumbotrons at either end of the of the stadium. So they're actually up on the big screens within the ground. Um, and one bloke turned up with what looked like a very, very long selfie stick with a microphone at the end of it. And he sort of dangled that vaguely in the direction of people who raised their hands to 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 ask a question and the, our questions were broadcast over the speakers on the screens in the stadium and the responses were except that for some reason the uh, Thomas Tuchel's responses that they turned the volume down so you could just about make out just about vaguely make out what he was saying but it was really really quite low um and didn't make for transcribing the press conference um, make it particularly easy. Um, I've never seen that before. I've never, I've never seen us beamed onto the big screens within the ground. And there were punters still in the stadium at that point. Um, they must have 
being very amused by what was going on, but that that wasn't normal, and that was the, the sort of the one indication that <laughs> these these are still quite odd times. Hopefully it'll get more normal as the Champions League progresses, but who knows with the way the world is. Uh, right, later we'll assess Chelsea's individual performances thus far and hear from Anne-Marie Batson on Chelsea's women's team. But first, a look back on the midweek international with Chelsea presence. Uh, right, so on Wednesday night, four Chelsea players were involved in the Nations League semi-final between Spain and Italy. Marcos Alonso and Cesar Azpilicueta started for Spain. Jorginho and on loan Emerson lined up for Italy. It was Spain who won 2-1 to end Italy's 37-match unbeaten streak. OK, next we'll shift our focus to the women's team who kicked off their Champions League campaign on Wednesday night. Harder into the box again for Chelsea. Could this be it? Never have we played a Wolfsburg team where we've had 10 corners to their zero. Um, we've had 33 entries into their penalty box, 17 shots, 62% possession, dominance in most areas of the pitch, clear-cut chances, and yet we're only walking away with a point. Great comeback from us today. We take uh, one point with us and, and then we go again. Let's go. Chelsea and Wolfsburg put on a thriller at Kings Meadow as the pair began their journey in the first ever Women's Champions League group stage game for both. It finished 3-3 in the Group A encounter after Panilla Harder had scored a stoppage time equaliser against her old club. Joining us now to discuss the game is journalist and broadcaster Anne-Marie Batson. Hello. Hello. How are you doing this fine Thursday morning? I'm very well, thank you. Thank you very much. Lovely. And um, before we get to the to the match itself, because there's loads to talk about there, Magda Eriksson in, in her pre-match press conference said that the introduction of the group stage is a, is a massive step for women's football. Why do you think that is? I think there's been a lot of discussions about how to move the UEFA Women's Champion Leagues forward over the last few years to get more eyes in it. I think because there was so much interest in last season, particularly with the final with Chelsea and Barcelona. And I think the opportunity now that, you know, a certain... YouTube channel will be showing the matches as well. I think they needed to show that the group stages could be competitive. And thankfully, we've been absolutely treated to that over the last few days or so with some absolutely cracking encounters. And it also makes it competitive for the players as well, because this is top, top level football now. And you saw that last night and you've seen that in other group stages, matches as well. This is on another level. So I think it's an opportunity to get more eyes on the game. You saw that last night when I was watching the game just to see how many people were watching. It was a fair few as well. So, yeah, I think it's just raising the bar when it comes to European football competition. Uh, in terms of the match itself, what the bejesus was going on with the Chelsea defending here? I mean, they're usually so good at the back and every goal was avoidable, it seemed to me. Yes, and no doubt there would have been some... Um, Interesting conversations at full time in the changing room and in the centre of that was goodness bless her and Katrin Berger. I have no idea. I was watching the first mistake. I couldn't believe it. And then the second mistake, I was thinking it's communication. Something's broken down here. And I'm really surprised because with one thing that you get with Chelsea is a strong back line. However, if you look at their last few matches that they've played in the WCL and it in the FA Cup, not necessarily, but definitely in the WSL, they have conceded goals, which I'm slightly worried about because the one thing that Chelsea are renowned for is their defensive capability. And I just wonder, going to a back three, I know it was a necessity because of injury. 
but I, I just wonder if, if that's working in the way that Chelsea, that you would expect from Chelsea because it has worked in some cases, but it it didn't when it was you know against Arsenal they didn't um, they weren't able to be strong enough with that back line. They conceded a goal against Brighton as well. We saw last night against Wolfsburg. I don't know. There's something not clicking there, and that's not what you expect from Chelsea. You expect them to hold the back line really, really strong, pretty much impenetrable. And then with the forward line, they just keep attacking you and attacking you with threats on goal. Quite unusual, I would say, Matt. Anne-Marie, um, I've seen the defensive lapses as surprised as as you guys. Um, just having control where Chelsea, other than that, because uh, having watched the extended highlights, looked like they still had the majority of the ball and, and the chances. The first 10, 15 minutes, it was all about Chelsea. Wolfsburg barely got a sniff on the ball. If you looked at the possession stats in the first 15 minutes or so, I think Wolfsburg was like 20%, really low. And then Chelsea were 80%. The goal goes in from Sanker, all good. And then it all kind of unravels pretty quickly after the mistake. It was like Chelsea lost their composure. They played much, much better in the second half. Despite being down by two goals to one, they really stepped it up a gear. They got the ball back. And I think what made the change is what they adopted those first few minutes of the first half. They controlled the tempo. They controlled the pace. You know, it was literally one, two touches, one, two touches. Definitely down on the left with Gura Wrighton, who I love watching her. She's a fast woman when she runs with the ball and her link-up play as well. They kept working it on that side. And then when the goal started to go in from Wolfsburg, they kind of lost their composure a little bit with Chelsea. So once they got that back and once they held on to the ball and they were passing it quicker as well, making use of the wide areas as well as going down occasionally down the middle where they were getting a lot of blockage from Wolfsburg, I think that's when they got a lot better. And then the attempts... It was an attempt, attempt, attempt. I did write down the figures from last night because there was quite a few. I think it was literally like 17 attempts on goal, seven on target. Once it all clicked into place better in the second half, you saw the ball flowing a bit better, more communication. And then thankfully, Peniel Harder got that goal in um, extra time. I'm guessing, obviously, they're disappointed not to have won the first game, but the one thing you don't want to do is is lose it. I'm guessing they'll still be fairly confident of getting through the group without too much difficulty, Juventus and Servette, the other sides in it. Absolutely. And I think the one thing that it showed last night is that when Chelsea are down and out, they'll come back at you. And I think that will give them confidence going into the next few games. Yes, they would have liked to have won it. Of course, they're all competitors at the end of the day. I think it was a real knock for them, a real shock to the system when at halftime they were down by two goals to one. I wasn't certainly expecting that result, to be honest. But I think it it gave them that jolt that they needed. So they know now if things are not going to plan, what they can do to make it right. And it was only because of those couple of mistakes that led to the goal. But other than that, they were pretty much spot on. And I think it's understanding now that you've got to be ruthless with your chances. As soon as you're on target, take the shot because you're not going to get that many opportunity as you move further into the competition. So a couple of mistakes. Yes, they'll have some homework. Yes, but it will give them confidence knowing that they can come back if they are a few goals down. And in terms of the WSL, they've got Leicester on Sunday. Leicester have lost all four of their opening games. I know you're covering this one for, for Chelsea TV. Chelsea will expect to win it. Do you think we might see Marin Mielder at some point? She was on, on the bench on Wednesday night. And given the defensive issues we've talked about, they'll obviously want to back sooner rather than later. Yeah, I suspect so. But it's a case of easing her back into the game because that was a pretty serious injury that she had. And also you've got the, the dynamic at the moment between the current 
back three. It is working to a point because they are conceding goals here and there, but it is working. So I think it's just a case of easing Melda back into the team because she is a key component of the first 11 for sure. But yes, against Leicester, I'm pretty much expecting that to be not much of getting out of the second gear. Sorry, Leicester fans, um, <laughs> for that one, for, for Chelsea. I mean, they're on a good run now, that is for sure. They've had to play a couple of away games from home Um in the last few weeks or so, back at home for Wolfsburg, home again on Sunday against Leicester. I think that will just be a run-of-a-mill result for Chelsea. Let's hope so. Well, enjoy the game, Anne-Marie. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you. Anne-Marie Batson there. Follow her on Twitter, at Anne-Marie Batson, all one word. Okay, next today, let's hand out some completely arbitrary and meaningless ratings. Given there's no men's game to look ahead to, we thought we'd assess how the squad have performed thus far and hand them out some grades. Think of it as a, a clunky allusion to a school report, listener. Uh, we'll carry this on on Monday. For today, we're going to look at keepers and defenders. The criteria here, simply anyone who's made a first team appearance so far. Uh, so I've split the players up between the chaps. Dom, you can go first with Edward Mendy. What grade are you giving and what's the top line of his report? Oh, look, he, he's an A. I, I think he's... He's been outstanding still. Um, he's really... I know that there are periods where he's been absent with a minor injury, but but generally speaking, he's 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 very much established as Chelsea's number one. And, and uh, yeah, he looks increasingly like a bargain signing from Wren last season. I'm, I'm, I think there was... There's a lot of a bit of scepticism when he when he arrived in the country. He didn't he was a player that that maybe hadn't illuminated the the French league that much over his time there. But he came highly recommended by Pedacek, and I think everything he's done so far has been absolutely outstanding. He looks a he looks a better player now than when he arrived. He's got the confidence of his teammates. He's 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 top quality. What about Kepa then, Sam? Is is the Chelsea goalkeeping situation like a like a packet of Duracell batteries? Is it is it double A stuff? Oh, oh, unquestionably. I can't believe I'm saying this. Um, <laughs> maybe an A minus. I can't give an A, a star to a, a sub goalie, in essence. That's, <laughs> I, I can't do that at any stage of life. But uh, yeah, I mean, he's been, I suppose, just such a valued member of the squad now to come in against Villarreal, perform heroics, away at Tottenham. Big save from Son, wasn't it, in the first half, I think, uh, when the game was on a bit of a knife edge. And then against Villa, didn't put a, a hand wrong, didn't put a foot wrong. Um, big save from Archer in the first half, couldn't do anything about the goal and then saved the penalty. So he's been brilliant. And I think going to the um, well, the, the next stage of the season with complete confidence that if Mendy has to miss a game, then he's really confident and he wants to be at the club, which has probably not always been the case. Yeah, I think it'll be Chelsea's first choice keeper next season. That's my early big shout. Uh, let's move on to the defence then. Sam, are you there? Reese James, somebody who I think will probably get a high grade as well. well I've only gotten down as a B plus, and that's purely because he's only completed the three 90 minutes, had the sending off and obviously had the injury. But no, there's been some brilliant performances in there as well. Um, I thought it was exceptional in that League Cup game against Villa uh, and the Arsenal game, obviously a goal and an assist. Still want more from him. You know, having seen him... Um, create so many goals, score so many goals freely, you know, throughout the the under-18s and the under-23s. 
yes, we sh- he's shown us that in the first team, but I still think there's more to come from him. I'd like to see him given a go-, a go in midfield at some point as well. I think he's he's that good. But yeah, just um, not scraping into A territory just purely because he's not not played that many minutes. All right, we'll see if he does better for the uh, English water polo team uh, after that jape that uh, Thomas Tuchel made last week. And what about Cesar Azpilicueta, Dom, the, the Chelsea club captain, club icon, club legend? Uh, how's he done so far? Well, if you'd, if you'd asked him that question a couple of weeks ago, I think it would have been an A, you know, a veteran player that that, that was, you knew you know exactly what you're going to get from, very consistent, uh, can obviously fill in in a couple of positions, whether he's playing the right-sided centre-half or, or right wing-back. Um, I, th- I think, though, that those two games against City and Juventus, um, I don't want to say exposed him because it was, I think it was asking an awful lot of a player of his age to spend most of those two matches playing right wing back. I mean, he he, he obviously switched there when James went off against City um, and then got hauled off himself in Turin after, just after the hour mark as one of those three substitutions. I think that's a little reminder as to why Thomas Tuchel in particular was so keen to sign Ashraf Hakimi in the summer, particularly given that he sees Rhys James as someone who can operate in central defence on the right side of the three, as well as right wing back and potentially in midfield. I still think that Azpilicueta is a stalwart. He's someone that, that Chelsea can rely upon. I'm not just not sure he can necessarily play the majority of two games at right wing back within four days of each other against such high calibre opposition. Yeah, it was a surprise to see him play there against Southampton as well after that. Uh, Tony Rudiger, Sam, he's a man in demand, uh, depending on which paper you read. We don't know if he's going to be a Chelsea player next season, but but for this season, he's a, he's a stick on every time Thomas Tuchel names a team for an important game. How are you How are you grading him? I've got him as an A-. minus. Um, yeah, I mean, just Mr. Consistent, isn't he? And I think during his um, his first season, his first you know, handful of games. I thought there was always a mistake there, but he seems to have just ironed that out completely, which is, which is fantastic. Um, I don't think, as Dom just spoke of there, and I'm going to come on to it in a minute, but with the, the Juventus and the Manchester City drop off, I don't think his standards have dropped as alarmingly uh, as uh, some of his colleagues during that, those couple of games. So I thought his performances were still there really got the goal against Spurs. I don't want to see him shooting from 25 yards, 30 yards. That that has got to go. But um <laughs> other than that he's been he's been remarkably consistent and and as you say Matt across the maybe Lukaku aside, he is a shoe in to play every game, you know, because he's so reliable and because there's not the competition probably in in his role. I, I think Christensen and Chaloba, Silva at a push could could all play on the left-hand side, but you know, he's made that position his own. What about Thiago Silva, Dom? Sort of in and out, although he started you know, important games against Juventus, scored against Spurs, actually, and, and a bit like Azpilicueta, kind of reliable, experienced old head. Yeah, I think you know what you're going to get. I don't think he can he can do it twice in, in four days necessarily, um, but I think the selection has been a reflection of that. He's they gave him time to get into the rhythm of the season. He didn't feature against Palace and Arsenal in that in that first batch of games ahead of the the international break. Um, came on against Liverpool and did a good job in that second half. Let's let's be honest. I mean, in, in a in the rear guard action uh, with Reese James having just been sent off just before half time and, and and did superbly well. He was excellent against against Tottenham, and I think you can rely upon him 
but almost in isolated games. So I mean, grading him is difficult because when he's on the pitch, he's he's right up there. He's an A, but in terms of you know how much how much you're going to get out of him, you're probably looking more like a a BB plus because you know that you can't rely upon him twice, three times a week. Yeah, and what we can't take into account here is the influence at the training ground yeah. and the influence on other players. I think one of those, Sam, would be Andreas Christensen, who feels like he's come on leaps and bounds in the last kind of 12 to 18 months, whether that's related to Thiago Silva or not. Yeah, yeah definitely. A perfect person to yeah, keep, keep him on his toes and, and, yeah, and speak to him about little intricacies of what that position is, I suppose. Although Christensen's got great experience now and I've always loved him and always felt that he could be the heir to, to John Terry's throne, really, um, in the way that he's been moulded at Chelsea and had the successful loans. You know, he's the kind of, he's the great example of that, how, how it can work. And um, uh, that, that that said, I mean, he had that outstanding performance at Anfield. I thought he was brilliant on that day, but I think there has been a drop-off. And I think against Juve, that's as poor as I've seen him. And I don't know if it got highlighted, but... Uh, I thought Chiesa gave him such a hard time. And I think that's more about the the sharpness of him. Uh, you know, how direct he is. And he really got them up the pitch. And I thought Christensen struggled with that, uh, maybe just his mobility. So that probably was what led to him being left out um, against Southampton. So I've only got him at a B plus, but that's that's quite harsh because when he has been good, he's been he's been he's been really good. Hopefully that will motivate him to get up to an A by the end of the season. You'd, you'd think so, wouldn't you? <laughs> he's, a, he's a regular listener, I'm, I'm not told. Uh, a contender for, for top of the class next, I think, Dom, for you, Trevor Chaloba. He's come from, from absolutely nowhere and he might be head boy by the end of the year. He's done brilliantly well. He seized his opportunity, um, an unexpected one, admittedly. But, but uh, I mean, 120 minutes against Villarreal in the Super Cup. Three ninety minutes appearances in the in the Premier League, in which Chelsea have scored three goals on each occasion, and and won the games. Um, he he's been up. I mean, he was a surprise when he came on in midfield against Juventus last week, um, but he can obviously do that role. And 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 Tuchel is um, has recognised as much, although he he does see him very much as a as a centre half. Uh, I, I just think he's. I think it's great to see somebody coming, someone new and fresh coming through from the academy and into that first team, a player that we didn't expect, a player that spent the last few years out on loan. I mean, I don't think he would have envisaged having played such a major part in this early part of the season, you know, while he was out on loan at Lorient last season in, in Ligue 1, you know, lower mid-table, not really going anywhere. Uh, Huddersfield nips, which before that, I think it's a great, it's a great story. And it's, it's, it's a much needed little reminder that there are, there is quality in those vast numbers of players at Chelsea, whether they be academy graduates or those you know, lads who have been there for a long time and been forgotten. Um, and when they get their chance, they invariably uh, demonstrate the, the pedigree they have. Yeah, it's a useful signpost for, for Neil Bath & Co as well, isn't it? A more recent example of staying in the Chelsea Academy can actually lead you to, to get into the first team, even if you have to take a rather circular route to do so. Uh, Sam, try and keep this one under 10 minutes if you can, please. Malang Sar. <laughs> um, I've actually got him as a B because um, I thought he did all right in that game against Villa. You know, not not as composed and as confident as like Reese James and, and Chalaba, because I thought those two were exceptional, but you know, they've, they've got more experience and 
um, were, you know, were flying really going into that game. So, you know, I've looked at the stats from that game and there's nothing really jumping out at me to suggest that he was completely off the boil. You know, his pass completion was just below those other two chaps I've just mentioned. There was interceptions and, and blocks and what have you. He looked a little bit edgy at times, but, you know, I don't think we can be be too tough on him. So, yeah, I don't expect him to come in for Rudiger too often. I think there'll probably be a reshuffle there rather than, you know, handing him his Premier League bow, but he can have a B. Yeah, we'll wonder if we'll see him again, maybe. Uh, ben Chilwell, Dom, it's been a, a really difficult start to the season for him. Signs that things might be getting a bit better. I, I wonder if he if he could have done without being in the England squad and had a couple of weeks at Cobham with Marcus Alonso away to try and re-establish himself at Chelsea. How, how are you grading him? It's a really tricky one because it appears as if he's he's on his way back now. That 90 minutes against Southampton, rewarded with a goal, um, very timely. Uh, the 45 he got in Turin as well. Um, that, I mean, other than the seven minutes against Zenit St. Petersburg, that is that is it since the Champions League final for, for him. But it, it just felt to me, and I know Sam will be talking about Marcus Alonso in a minute. Um, it felt to me that there was a that, that we'd always reached reached that ceiling that we always get to with Marcus Alonso, uh, and then actually Ben Chilwell stepped in and and has now hopefully taken his chance to show that he deserves to be in this team and merits being in this team. There's a lot of competition. Bear in mind in that in that Nations League game, um, Italy-Spain, I mean, both left-backs on show that night were Chelsea players. Admittedly, Emerson's out on loan, but but um, it's there, there is competition for places there. And Marcus Alonso has done, has done well to, to justify his selection up to now. And Chilwell obviously needed time to to get back into a rhythm of things and to get over the disappointment of the summer. Um, but I do think he offers a bit more a bit more defensive surety than, than Alonso. I don't think he'll go quite as AWOL as Alonso does at times defensively. And he's got a goal threat in him. He's, he's a good delivery from the flank, um, a vicious shot, which he does fire off quite often. Um, and I'd like to hope now that he gets a proper run in the team um, to demonstrate what he can do. Uh, yeah, the last few weeks have been good. I mean, there was, there was a League Cup tie. He played ninety minutes against Villa as well, didn't he? So, I mean, he has he is stepping it up slowly, and hopefully now, I actually think that he'll benefit from a bit of time with England and training with a with a competitive group and trying to re-establish himself at that level because that will do his self-esteem no harm at all. Yeah, give him a couple of minutes, Gareth, please. Uh, what about Alonso then, Sam? As we as we finish this off. Probably would have got a higher higher grade up until what a fortnight ago, and it's just dipped a bit for him. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I've got him as a B, and um, yeah, I mean, some big moments, wasn't there? Early part of the season, the goal against Palace, and and obviously the the, the corner was it a free kick for for Silver's header at Spurs. So he's always, you know, capable of providing him, but that's not enough for me to keep you in the team. You know, being a better dead ball striker than than Ben Chilwell. Um, I don't think he puts in particularly good deliveries from wide. He, it's not like Reese James where he's got that ridiculous lack of backlift where he can just whip it in around the defender. Alonso doesn't really possess that. Uh, and Chilwell, I think he had four attempts against Southampton and was getting in the box a lot more than Alonso has been recently, it felt to me anyway. And I think that's a big part of Alonso's game. So yeah, um, he had a really good start to the season, but I think the time is now for for, for Chilwell to to get his run. I mean, Thomas Tuchel spoke about favouring 
uh, Alonso over Chilwell previously because of his size and his physique. And I think that may come into the picture for some games, but I think Chilwell deserves his run now because Alonso's drop off, whether he's a bit leggy, is, has been quite alarming, I would say, in the last couple of big games. Very good. Right, we'll do uh, midfielders and strikers on Monday. Next today, though, it's quiz time. So good news, listener. Genuinely had forgotten about this. <laughs> good news for you, listener. I'm told this is going down quite well, uh, but not with the participants. Uh, we're just going to do questions related to the season so far today. I think oh. these are actually a little bit easier than they have been. Uh, we'll find out. It's, <laughs> no it's, excuses it's, now. <laughs> it's three questions apiece. Parkin and Fifield. Tete-a-tete. Go one by one. Dom, you can go first. Uh, Chelsea won the Super Cup back in August, beating Villarreal on penalties. But which Blues player missed the first spot kick of the shootout? <laughs> oh, why wasn't I awake? Um, <laughs> Sam scratching his chin in anticipation of a stealing opportunity. No, I oh, dear. <laughs> um, who missed the first penalty? Uh... Who would have taken the first penalty? Jorginho? It's a good shout. It's not right, though. It was Kai Havertz, I'm afraid. Yeah. Liam would have got I that. I remember that either. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely would have got that. My brain works in the last 24 hours, Matt. You know, I don't go back longer than that. You've got 24 right. hours out of your brain. Focus on, the, focus on the now. <laughs> You're going to struggle with this one then, Sam. Uh, who scored the first Premier League goal of the season for Chelsea? Oh, I can do that one. It's my lot. Yeah, I know. That's why. I <laughs> oh, don't say that. Oh, um, oh God. Well, no, one of the scorers. Oh, he got the first. Against Palace, yeah? Yeah. That's, yeah, classic stalling. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I can Bridge, only yeah. see the free. I Chelsea wearing blue. Free, yeah, I can only see the free <laughs> kick I've mentioned. Alonso. Yeah, it's correct. Oh, uh. <laughs> I thought there was one before that. No, no. I'll it's take it. It just felt same. like that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, Dom. Here's your second question. The last few weeks have seen the surprise re-emergence of Ross Barkley. He's got a new squad mm. number this season. What is it, and who was its previous occupant? Half a point for each. Um. It's 18. Correct. Uh, did he not swap with Matteo Kovacic? He did not. Ah, damn it. It was Olivier Giroud who previously had oh, the number yeah, 18. Kovacic was 17. I'm fairly sure about that. I'm just waiting for a nod from producer Lucy because she, she's bound to know. That. <laughs> she's now she's shrugging That's not shoulders. a nod, Matt. <laughs> okay. don't, don't, don't tweet me if it's not 17, but that's what I thought it was. Okay, right. So you've got a point there, Dom. So it's 1-1. One, one. Uh, Sam... Bit of pressure on you, therefore, for question two. Oh, this is a horrible question. You'll never get it right. I'm sorry. I don't know why. How I many Instagram this. followers? <laughs> <laughs> it's nearly as random. Uh, Romelu Lukaku's first two Chelsea goals came against Arsenal and Aston Villa. They were both scored in the same minute. Name that minute. Ooh. <sighs> no idea. But I will go for... The Villa goal was... Um, what was that like? That was the one over the top. The Kovacic pass, was it? Yeah. Pass of the season, yeah. yeah. 
Um, Arsenal, they were battering them. It's not before the 20th. It is the 23rd minute. Tom, would you like to steal? I think it was. I think it was sooner than that. I think it was an earlier one, but sort of around the quarter hour mark. I'll go fourteen. Oh, it's so close, but I can't give it to you. It was fifteen. <laughs> it wasn't around the quarter hour mark. It was on it. Uh, so this quiz no is ridiculous. <laughs> Still one-one. This is your final question, Dom. Confirmation, by the way, that yeah, Kovacic used to be seventeen. Barkley was eight last season. He swapped it so that Kovacic could have that, which was kind of him. Uh, anyway, Dom, here's your final question. Tammy Abraham left Chelsea just after the Super Cup, which we mentioned back in your first question. How many goals has Abraham scored for Roma so far? Oh, I know he's hit the woodwork about 45 times. I'll have the steal here for the away point. If that's <laughs> going. Oi. Oh, he's going to get it. Four? Oh. Four is right. Yeah, correct. Is that right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> two of them are in the conference uh, league, so really retire, they should be man. half goals, but yeah. Okay, so it's what? Uh, two, one. So Sam, you've got to get this right. I think technically it's one and a half, Matt. I don't, I don't, I didn't get the number. I, I just oh, got, that's I, true. Yeah, yeah okay. So you right. can win it. So with Sam, this, you but, can win so. here if you get this. Uh, you're not going to, though. Um, oh, no, you might. <laughs> this, this, here's, this is the random social media question. Um, oh, so no. you, you and I, Sam, you so and I have both railed against the uh, banality of footballers' post-match tweets uh, unsuccessfully for some time now. In that spirit, which Chelsea player posted the following after last weekend's win against Southampton? All caps, perfect reaction to exclamation marks, lowercase. Have a great weekend, blues, flames emoji, flames emoji, blue heart emoji. Classic stuff. Who wrote it? Could be literally any footballer who plays for a team in blue. <laughs> uh, in capitals, yeah. I'll read it again. All caps to start with. Perfect reaction to exclamation marks. Then back to lowercase. Have a great weekend, Blues. Flames emoji, flames emoji, blue heart emoji. It's had 28.5 thousand likes. Uh, it could be any one of them. Perfect reaction. 80 people saw fit to quote tweet it. I will go for hudson Adoy. Oh, he's got it. That's unbelievable. Wow. Pluck that one out, the ether. That's amazing. <laughs> it was at Caltech Ten with his five hundred and eighty-one thousand followers. Well done, Callum. Well Would done, you have Sam. done that, Sam. Sam, when you when you scored the winner in a in a big game for Swindon or someone, um, or, or, or would you would you have taken to no social media and said thanks, Robbins? Uh, <laughs> no. I would have I would have tried to have been as honest as I could have been, Dom, probably like in the post-match interviews. And, you know, if it was a middle of the did table... Did you enjoy them? Did you enjoy it, the post-match? I did, yeah, I did. And if it was a middle of the table scrap, I'd have said, you know, it would have been all about me and my hat-trick <laughs> and how I was going <laughs> to celebrate that night. I wouldn't have thanked my teammates and the supporters. I would have said, there's another match ball for me. <laughs> I, I, think it, I think it's all nonsense, to be honest. Dom. But I've said to Matt a few times, if you're going to um, be appreciative of the fan support, at least be a bit more detailed and say which songs in particular you, you enjoyed or, you know, which uh, jibes that went against the away supporters was the one that tickled you the most. 
you know. Um, I think we've got to we've got to give a shout out to John McGinn here, haven't we? Who pretty much yeah. won this for Footballers Twitter last week. Uh, nice to make my at question of sport debut. Scoreline doesn't reflect the game. Fans were class as always. Uh, that's how you do <laughs> football Twitter. Uh, Aston Villa's John McGinn. Uh, we will have another quiz next Thursday, I'm afraid, gents. Uh, before we go for today, though, uh, Simon's got a nice piece up on the rebirth of Ruben Loftus Cheek on the Athletic at the moment. What have you been working on, Don? I've got a piece going up about uh, which looks at John Mikel Obi, sorry, Mikel John Obi's transfer to Chelsea from Lynn Oslo back in 2005. But um, rather than going over a, all the old ground, and that was obviously a very controversial move, it, there were three other Nigerian players that, that uh, spent a lot of time on trial at Chelsea around that period alongside uh, Mikel. And they also went to Lynn Oslo. And I've done an interview with one of them, Emmanuel Saki, uh, who's currently playing in the lower leagues in Poland. And it's really the piece, although it does go over the the Mikel saga, it 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 addresses what happened to the other three uh, Nigerian players who were on the uh, who, who were attempting to, to secure moves to to Chelsea at the time. That'd be interesting. Athletic.com slash Chelsea pod is the place to go to sign up if you aren't currently a subscriber. Uh, Sam, you'll be on Sky providing the wit and wisdom in their coverage of Forest Green Rovers against Swindon uh, this weekend. You're looking forward to seeing the former Chelsea youth product Dion Conroy again? Oh, I love Dion Conroy. Yeah, he, he's been he's brilliant. If you want to see a cultured centre-half ex-Chelsea applying his trade in the EFL, he, he's your guy. Lovely range of passing. Yeah, so after... Nailsworth, isn't it? So hoping that I hoping that A, I don't run out of petrol and B, um, my girlfriend doesn't go into labour. <laughs> but are you looking forward to the vegan food on oh, offer? That's the main thing. Vegan food's good. Yeah. One of the I would I'm not just saying it, I'm going all um Callum Hudson Adore here, aren't I? But um <laughs> I, I would say it's some of the best food in the in the football league. <laughs> Thank you, Dale Vince. Flames emojis. Flames emojis. Right, we want to see a picture. I want specifics, on Sam. I want to know yeah. what pies in particular. Yeah. Hummus was first class. <laughs> Support from the catering staff was unreal. <laughs> we Hashtag falafel, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, magnificent. Uh, all right, well, many thanks to Dob and to Sam for their company today and to Lucy for putting it all together. Mainly to you, though, listener. We'll see you again back here on Monday. Until then, have a good weekend. Bye for now. The Athletic.